Man, I want to welcome everyone at our Lancaster campus, broadcasting live right now or watching this online. You are catching us at the end of a series called Mixtape, where we've been talking about relationships, talking about love, talking about dating, and talking about marriage. In fact, it's been our heart's desire through this entire month to really invest in our relationships, invest in our marriages, and that's kind of what our goal has been throughout this entire series. And today as we close this out and wrap it up, I've got something really special for everyone. I thought to myself, like, if there was one thing that I could do for the marriages in this church, what would it be? I was kind of thinking about that. And as I thought about all the different marriages, you know what came to my mind? I thought this, I thought it would be awesome if I could get every single one of the married people in our church to sit down with a counselor. That's what would be great. I mean, come on, who can't use a little bit of counseling every once in a while? And here's the truth. The truth is this, that when it comes to like marriage challenges and struggles, what I've discovered is that so often we are afraid to talk to a counselor. We're afraid for whatever reason in our lives, maybe not just in marriage, but in other areas, like there's a stigma that tends to go with talking to someone like something's wrong with you, you can't figure it out, you can't get it right. And I just wanted to kind of do something a little different as we close out this series. And I wanted to say, if you are in a situation where you need to talk to someone, please do. Don't feel like embarrassed or I think sometimes we're too proudful to, to, rec to recognize we need to talk to someone. Listen, I've been seeing accounts for, for the last several months and it's been helpful for me and so I just want to just kind of release you, and I also wanted to do something special today. And that is, I have invited a licensed counselor to join me on the stage for week four of this series to talk about marriage, to talk about challenges in our marriage. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite uh, Luke to come up in a moment. Luke Sargent is a guy that um, I, I recently got connected realizing that he is a relative, he has a relative on um, family members that are on staff at our church. And Luke Sargent is a licensed professional clinical counselor, which means that he just has a bunch of letters after his name, like LPCC or something like that. Is that right? Did I get it right? Close enough. You don't care. Um, Luke is, here's the thing. Um, Luke grew up in this area, so he's local. He grew up in Circleville. He grew up um, around church and Christianity. So he approaches uh, counseling from a faith perspective, which I really appreciate. Um, he uh, married his high school sweetheart, Ashley, and uh, they have a four-month-old son named Bennett, which is a cool name, and uh, we're going to talk about marriage today because I told him, like, we're not going to talk about parenting because you only got four months, and so that ain't good enough for our church. Like, you need to be in a little longer than that, and uh, he went to school uh, at Mount Vernon uh, Nazarene University and then ended up with Ashland Theological Seminary where he got his master's degree in I messed this up. I cannot remember it. Clinical something, whatever, something counts. Again, they just, I don't know. I think it's the academic world. They like to impress people with their names and degree titles and all this good stuff. But he has got education and counseling and has been a counselor for the past several years. He actually um, has a, uh, is part of a private practice in Lancaster, based out of Lancaster, Ohio, called New Source Counseling. And again, his approach is faith-based counseling. And he told me, he said, I originally didn't go into counseling for marriage. I went into it for other aspects, other fields of counseling. But he said, when I opened the practice, he said probably about half of his people that come to him, his clientele, come because their marriage is struggling. And so seeing that, he went and got more training in marriage counseling. 
And so I thought, I, I thought, man, how great would it be to give everyone at my church a free counseling session on the last week of Mixtape? Would you do me a favor? Would you welcome to the stage Luke Sargent? Come on, Luke. Thank you for, for joining us. Did you turn your mic on? It's on. It's okay. on. Yeah. Okay. I Zach, just Zach actually reminded me to turn it on. Okay, good. Last experience, he didn't have it on. I was like, you amateur, you just don't do this stuff very often, do you? Uh, man, thank you for joining me. I really appreciate it. I know this is probably out of your wheelhouse. You're used to a room with just a couple people. And, um, and so don't get nervous. Just the fact there's hundreds of people in Lancaster. Just wave yeah. to them right now that are watching no you. No big deal. Live. No big so, deal. No big deal. Um, Luke, I'm I just curious because for me, like, I, I just think, wow, counseling is a, that's got to be an insane job. Like, when you're just sitting there constantly and people are pouring out their broken lives, and I'm thinking to myself, why in the world would you want to do that for a living? It's a good question. Uh, probably the most common question I get is, is that question right there. Uh, for me, I'm just I'm passionate about seeing people thrive, um, to get to a place where they are drawing closer to God, their marriages are thriving, their lives are thriving. Uh, and I know that their problems provide an opportunity um, to get to that point. So for me, every session that is challenging or tough, and a lot of them are, is I have to keep in mind the end result of what this is going to lead to. Yeah, I, 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 can, I can relate to that one level. Just even as a pastor, there's a lot of challenges, but when you see someone's life impacted, it's that, that's what gets you going. And I can imagine for you, seeing one married couple or seeing someone's life changed in a big way has got to be pretty amazing. So, so I, I posted out on social media about two weeks ago or so, I threw out this question, and I said, just quick survey, why do you think most marriages fail? I was just curious of the feedback. We got almost 100 comments of um, expert counselors all telling us why most marriages fail. It was, it was great. And so I wanted to talk about just a couple of the topics, if we could today. And the number one, by far, um, number one most common answer that was given when I asked this question was communication. Uh, people say communication is a problem when it comes to marriages and one of the primary reasons why marriages fail. Uh, Luke, why do you think that communication is such a problem? Here's my thoughts on this. Like when you're dating, um, I feel like you communicate with your, with your significant other, with your other person, maybe better than any other time it feels like. I mean, when you're dating, you guys can remember this, those of you that are married now. Like you talk about everything, you stay up until the wee hours of the night on the phone, you're pouring out your life and your art, and this is, you know, you, you share, you know, all of that with them when you're dating, and then all of a sudden you get married, maybe move in together, and all of a sudden you're living together, and then we stop, and communication becomes a problem. Why is it that communication is such a problem in marriage? When you get married, a new connection builds, and Pastor Tim hit on this last week, those of you who are here. Uh, basically, when you get married, your insecurities and your selfishness uh, is drawn out. Um, I joke around, I didn't realize how selfish I was until I got married. Just ask my wife, okay? It, it, she'll tell you. She'll tell you very quickly. Uh, basically, that draws so much stuff out when you get married, and that is a good thing. That is God's work of, of holiness in our lives, but if we can't communicate or have those skills to communicate in a healthy manner, it can go south very quickly. Yeah, and... Um... So what do you think is probably one of the, the bigger problems when it comes to communication in marriage? Like, do you think that there's, you know, are we, is it just that we're different? Is it just we have like, you know, she's different, I'm different, and, and is that the problem? Or, or 
do we need to recognize things when it comes to communication? I don't know. Sure. Well, opposites truly do attract. I mean, you are probably very different than your spouse, those of you who are married. And so with that comes different communication styles, which also reflects your personalities. Those are not bad things. Those are actually really good things. That's why marriage is so great. Uh, but like I said, it can become a problem. And the first thing I look at is, is what kind of a communicator are you? Uh, in order to identify and diagnose the issue, let's, let's kind of figure out what's going on in that area specifically. So, so you're saying that um, each person has a style? Absolutely. Is that what you're saying? All of us have a style. Um, can you talk about some of those styles? Because um, I think all of us recognize that we do have a style of communication in marriage. And the problem I, I would see in regards to this, so maybe you can dive a little deeper into this, um, is that when it comes to style, most of us probably think that our style is the best style. Right? Like, I, I think... I. My style of communication is the right one, and my wife's is the wrong one, right? And that's yeah, me too. That's that your wife as well. I mean, gosh, we got this in common already. So this is so cool. And so, what is it like specifically about the styles? Can you kind of break down so we can understand that a little more? Sure. There's many different, I guess, books and everything else on communication. The four types that I look at, uh, we look at four types of communication specifically. And one, are you a passive communicator? Are you an aggressive communicator? Are you a passive-aggressive communicator? Or are you an assertive communicator? And the assertiveness piece is what we try to become like. That's what we strive towards out of those four types. So four types. Um, how many of you, just real quick, I'm curious, okay, both here in Lancaster, show of hands. How many of you feel like you may know your style of communication? Raise your hand. Hold it up high if you know your style. I bet you most of us probably do, right? The passive is... Right, let's break. passive is the person that they just don't really, they don't want to talk. It's conflict, they, they just kind of pull back, withdraw, you know, they're not going to engage, right? So you may recognize some of these in your relationship. Um, the, what was it, aggressive? Mm -hmm. That's the person that's like when there's something, they just kind of puff up, get real big, get loud, you know, they're going to try to dominate the conversation. Um, and those, I think, are clear, right? You can kind of recognize those. Um, and then there's passive-aggressive, which... I think is worse than either of those right. two. That's the person that like they don't really engage, but they just to me they throw little comments out there that are kind of you know it's just sar sarcastic remarks that are just kind of digging. Would you would you say it's, that it's a non-verbal form of aggression? Non-verbal. You're, you're angry. You're not letting yourself get walked all over necessarily. You're just internalizing it, and then it usually leaks out in very uh, destructive ways. Okay, so you're saying that if any of those are our communication style, they're bad? They're not good. I'll just say they're that. They're not good. They're not good. Okay. Um, now, they are fixable, and I think a lot of it could be just our personality styles. It could be how our parents communicated. Uh, a lot of it's just learned behaviors. Anything that can be learned can also be unlearned. And so you can learn how to become assertive by first identifying, okay, how do I communicate? So what, what would you say is a sort of good communication in a marriage or a relationship in general? What would you say is good? How do you, how do you define assertive? Assertive is the ability to express what you're feeling, what you're thinking, what's going on inside, and, and you can outwardly express it in a way that is uh, kind, gentle, respectful to your spouse, but also respectful to yourself. You get your point across, but it doesn't stir an argument. At least it's not supposed to. So, so we want to be assertive, which would almost kind of mean that when there's, a, there, when there's something that's wrong or something that you feel inside, you should actually talk about it and address it, right? And so th this, that's being assertive. Don't be passive. Don't be aggressive. Don't be passive aggressive. Try to be assertive. So that's something that we can kind of work on. Um, what, what else can, can we do or recognize 
when it comes to communication challenges? Sure. So usually when we communicate, if we are, are not using the assertive communication, this big word called criticism tends to enter in the picture, uh, which is one-fourth of what we call uh, the four horsemen of the apocalypse in marriage. Well, in the church, we're familiar with apocalypse. So why don't you talk about the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Is this from Revelation? Where did this inspiration come from? I'm curious. I mean, technically it did. The inspiration, <laughs> I didn't come up with this. This is from a marriage researcher named John Gottman. Okay. And, and he studied married couples yeah. uh, in, a, in a setting for 30 or 40 yeah. years, and he's still doing it. And he found that the presence of, of four different factors are the biggest indicators of divorce and marital unhappiness. And actually, the, the presence of these will uh, decrease your overall happiness. It can take uh, a few years off of your life. It can increase your chance of getting ill. Um, I'd be happy to share what those four are. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, yeah, the first one is criticism, as I mentioned, which is basically that attack on your partner. You're, you're attacking your spouse, their, their personality. A good example is using what we call you statements. You always do this. You never do that. You never put the dishes in the dishwasher which is my wife's biggest complaint of me. Uh, you never do it, just those big you statements, okay? Next one is defensiveness, and, and that is typically the response to criticism. And, and that's saying, well, remember that one time you didn't do it either. And it's just a deflection, it's a protection of yourself ultimately. Now, the next one is contempt. And contempt is really just an open sign of disrespect. This is the most important one out of all four. Now, this is when the oneness of your marriage really starts to break down. It's the name calling. It's the, the sarcastic statements. Basically, you're looking down on your spouse, um, and this is a, a little bit further than criticism. Lastly, we have what's called stonewalling, okay? And this is where you just kind of have checked out of the argument. Um, it is a healthy thing to argue if you do it the right way, which I'm sure we'll get to here in a little bit. But ultimately, stonewalling is when you say, ah, it's not worth talking about. I don't even wanna go there anymore. And you shut down. And that can be actually very destructive. So these are things that we should recognize that may exist based on our communication style? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, the communication style has so much to do with those, with those, those four, four things. So criticism, these are all, these are things that are detrimental to our marriages. Criticizing the other person, um, what was it, offense? Beginning defensive. D defensive. Right, so when they bring something up and immediately you turn it back around on them, defensive, this actually can turn into an aggressive um, action taken against the other person. Um, what was the third one? Was just Stonewalling. No, that was a fourth, oh, right? Contempt. Contempt. I knew you said one that was like real big, um, which is, which is that's when it, it goes south. Yeah. Big yeah. time. The open sign of, of just disrespect, basically. Okay. I, I think it's kind of important, too, to recognize in communication. And listen, only you and your, your you know, marriage partner would understand this. Um, there is healthy communication, even when it gets excited, even when you don't see eye to eye. And I think the, the most unhealthy thing that you can do is get to a point where it gets personal, where the attacks get personal. When you start using names, like that's, that's a huge no-no. Like you are, you are not trying to resolve conflict, you're trying to tear the person down. And that is one of the quickest ways to destroy your marriage, okay? I mean, you don't use names, you don't, that, my, my wife and I, we, we always had this um, kind of agreed upon word that was like off limits, and that was the word whatever. You know, because that's the word, you know, when it's like, whatever. When you're just, you're saying, I'm not going to address that, and that's you problem and not a me problem. And so we kind of, you know, and if someone says it, we always like, wait, wait, wait. I thought we weren't allowed to say that word. It is. So I think it's good to talk about your communication. We don't talk about what we the way we talk about things. And so talking about communication, what are, real quick, maybe just one or two tools 
that we can kind of put in the tool chest to um, help our communication style so that when people leave today, they can go, hey, let's talk about it. Let's do that or, or work on that. Yeah. Well, every little word you say is, is truly important. You know, that everything is uh, these little things over time create a really good marriage. And one is that, that reduction of criticism by using what's called I feel statements. Um, it, it's basically where you're able to express what you're feeling, whether it's a negative or positive emotion, and you do it in, in an assertive manner. So as opposed to saying, okay, you, you're always doing this, or you never do this. It's, hey, I, I feel frustrated. I feel frustrated when you do this, because here's how it affects me. It offsets that attack completely. And, and basically, that will reduce the amount of defensiveness you get back as well. And then it just kind of snowballs from there. Good. So using I statements rather than you statements, that's good. What, what's yep. another one? Another one is called active listening. So if you're on the receiving end of those I statements, you know, okay, how do you respond? Now, you can still give a defensive response back, even though you're given an I statement, but we want to reduce that. Like, I think you're wrong? I is feel that like a, you're wrong. I yes. feel like you're wrong? Is that, yeah. So don't use the I statements like that. Yes. Okay, okay, we're learning. What? And, that, and that's happened a lot in my office. The, okay. The tone of the voice gets higher and higher. Okay. That's not what we want. Uh, basically, I think you're missing the point. I, <laughs> I think, okay, I'm just, I'm just trying to figure this out. Okay. So, so active listening is where you basically just repeat back what your spouse has said to you. Ooh, counselors love this. Wait, it's, I it's have heard this a lot. We do. Yeah. So what I hear you saying is, right? Yeah. It's a great way to communicate, not just to your spouse, but, but to anybody that I hear you. Okay. Not only do I hear you, I understand exactly what you're feeling. You don't have to agree with them. Okay, that happens all the time in my office, but a simple active listening statement, hey, so you're telling me this, you're telling me that you're feeling frustrated when, when I do this. That's a great way to build communication and to try and get on the same page and reduce a fight. And I think uh, my wife always lets me know this, there's a difference between hearing and listening, and I'm really good at hearing things, but I'm not great at listening to things. Like, are you listening to me? Yeah, what did I just tell you? And I'll tell her some semblance of what she just told me. It's like, if you're not paying attention, right? I know none of you have had that conversation, right? And so, you know, active listening is like where you stop, maybe put down your phone, right? That would, I would be a lot better at that. Put down your phone and engage so you can actually communicate. Those are some good tools, I think, that maybe we can try. If you haven't been using that. And, and I think the most important thing when I think about communication is realizing the power that we carry with us in our tongue. Bible says that the power of life and death is found in the tongue. You can build up your marriage. You can build up your spouse with compliments. You can, that, that's an, I think another one too, is giving compliments to your spouse and saying things, or you can tear down that person um, so easily with the same tongue. So communication was the number one. That's what people uh, struggle with. And, and it seems like probably that that's a, a precursor to conflict, right? You have bad communication tends to lead to real fights. Um, in a marriage. And um, I, I personally think conflict is unavoidable. That, that's just my perspective um, on it. What, what do you say, though, to the couple that feels like something's wrong with them because they have arguments or they fight at times and they're thinking, what's wrong with us? Maybe we're not meant to be. What, what would you say to them in regards to conflict of that nature? Welcome to marriage. Welcome to marriage. Welcome to marriage. That's... It's, it's an expectation that we need to bring into our marriage. Well, that's and good. I... And I hate to say it that way, but the reality of it is, is that you're, you're going to fight. You, you are going to argue. Yeah. And, and if you don't do it the right way, it will derail your marriage if it is this prolonged kind of gridlocked conflict over a long period of time. Uh, conflict should be expected. As believers, we should expect conflict. Mm -hmm. it's, it's all through scripture. 
Uh, Paul says in Philippians, he says, let your, let your reasonableness be known um, to all. And I think as believers, especially as a Christian spouse, husband or wife, you, you need to show that gentleness and that reasonableness to, to your spouse. It's so crucial to the heart of, of getting rid of conflict, um, and Scripture talks very clearly about this. Would you say that if, if someone says, like, well, we never fight, um, that that is an indicator of a really good marriage? Or no. 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 no it's I, not. So people that are like, we don't ever have an argument, well, we never fight, I mean, it, it may or may not be. Sure. It, it right? may or may not be, but generally speaking, if you have never had a conflict or never had an argument, <clears throat> you're probably not communicating. That's just the reality of it. Now, yeah. now we should hit a place and strive towards a place in our marriages and our relationships where we don't argue. Yeah. I think we should get to a place where we just don't have time to argue. We've got to focus on the mission that God has, has given us. But especially for young married couples, those arguments really start to surface, and they can be very surprising. And so nothing is wrong with you just because you are fighting. And actually, it can be a great way to build intimacy in your marriage. Fighting can be? Absolutely. Okay, so are you talking about makeup? Love or something right now? Like, I just, just curious what you're talking about. Like, I think we need to move on. Okay. Um, that could be one part of it. Okay, one Absolutely. part of it. Yeah. So, so if, if conflict isn't necessarily a bad or an indicator, if you have conflict, which I think is hopefully should be a little bit of a relief for some of you to go, we have conflict in our marriage. And it, you can be very different and maybe not see eye to eye on things. And that's okay, right? Um, but... Uh, a lot of times conflict can be damaging. What, what do we do to, in conflict, protect our relationship, even though we will see eye to eye? How do we go about in conflict so it's, it's healthy and not unhealthy as a result? Sure, absolutely. Uh, first of all, communicate the conflict. Don't ignore it. Ignoring it over time can be very disastrous. Uh, but one, you know, set some ground rules for your fights. That you're going to fight. And you got to play by the rules. Mm -hmm. I use something called the fair fighting rules with most couples that I see. Yeah. Um, there's 29 rules. 29 rules. That they all need to know. This and guy's Old Testament. You can tell. He is like a lawman and 29. Okay, for those of us at this church, we're a New Testament um, grace-based church. And, um, like, Jesus did it in, like, one, two, maybe, if you're one and a one A, B, you know? And so we're, we're kind of simple. What, what can we do? What's a couple rules that we can engage in? Sure. Um, that could really change the outlook of our marriage. Sure. And, and it's 29 to choose from is what that is. Pick a couple of them. Um, one is, you know, first of all, define the problem. The, if you are fighting, what are you fighting about? You know, if, I, if a couple calls me or comes into my office, they've been fighting all day, and that happens, uh, I'll ask them, okay, what's the problem? And uh, generally, probably nine times out of ten, they, they, can't, they can't tell me. Well, he's a jerk or she's a jerk. Okay, that's an opinion. Let's get to the problem. <laughs> And generally, they can't get to it. So you've got to define the problem, number one. Uh, secondly, call timeout. All right, it sounds like you're punishing your kids or whatever when they go to timeout. And you're right, four-month-old, I probably shouldn't put my four-month-old in timeout just yet. Um, later on, that'll come. But a timeout of marriage is actually a really good thing. But what that's doing is, is stopping it from escalating uh, to the point of no return. Our anger gets so powerful and so strong uh, when we have a conflict. And, and we're made to feel anger. The heart rates go up, our faces get red, and there is something called flooding when our bodies uh, pretty much just pump out so much adrenaline that you really can't resolve anything at that point. Take the break, take a 20, 30 minute break, cool off, go watch the Cavs game or, you know, do what it do. Wait, something. wait, wait. If you weren't if watching the game already, I can see why you're having a fight. <laughs> like, 
That makes sense. It's a, it's a that, see, I can diagnose this. Especially if so, they're losing, the anger level is going to be, so, you know, very high. Like, I've heard some people, um, they have a word. You know, it's like in the middle of a fight, watermelon. And, you know, if safe someone says, it's a safe word, right? So maybe you have to have a word that, like, we say this word, it's, you know, that means I need a break. Right? And it's Absolutely. an important thing. I mean, I, I think sometimes, what would you say to the person? Because they're, again, different styles. Right? You get into it and it's like, we're not leaving until we resolve this. But you could have somebody else that it's, it's a challenge for them because they, they feel their body flooding. Is that what you said? Yeah. Flooding. And they feel their body getting to a point and they're losing it. And they're not thinking clearly and not communicating clearly. And so in, in that regard, like, what would you say to the person that's like, I don't want to take a break. I want, we're going we're gonna to get through this. Don't do that. Don't uh, do that. Yeah, don't. That's my deep advice right there. Don't, okay. don't do that. Uh, basically, there's many reasons why not to do that. Uh, first of all, you're committing when you set those ground rules. You're committing to coming back. Yeah. Okay? It's not like you're just going to ignore it and never address it again. That's, that's stonewalling. It's a big predictor in divorce. I mean, it really is. Um, come back 20, 30 minutes later. If it's a struggle for you, what you're doing is you're allowing your body to calm down. Okay? And then you can think a little bit clearer. Go get some fresh air. Go for a walk. Go watch TV. It doesn't mean anything, anything crazy. I mean, go, go do something to distract your body enough um, to calm down. The, the odds of you working out that argument and that conflict, if you take that break, goes up by like 80 or 90%. Wow. And that's what the research has shown um, in marriage counseling for 30, 40 years now. Wow. And if you don't, I think one of the things that we probably all have seen or heard about, um, and this to me is probably connected, that if you don't, uh, find a moment where you're losing it. And I, I think all of us have probably have felt that inside. When you, anger starts to rise up inside of you, it will become a physical response, an emotional, physical response in your body. And I think we probably have all seen that's probably where people end up losing control. Yeah, absolutely. Which can lead to other things like abuse, whether it is verbal or physical abuse and fighting and then all of a sudden they're throwing things at each other and it gets out of control we could maybe stop that or go from getting there if we would just kind of time out we need to pause cool down come back collected heads and minds and let's talk about the problem yeah, not find the, the other problem person when right? you come back absolutely coming back i mean it makes me think of a, a passage in ephesians 4 that I think is, it kind of gives us an insight. Ephesians 4.26 says, in your anger, do not sin. It doesn't say don't get angry. Like it's going to happen in your relationship, in your marriage. Someone does something that maybe you don't understand. Miscommunication can lead to anger. But in your anger, do not sin. There is a point where you cross the line in your relationships, in with talking with someone or getting aggressive or starting to demean or whatever, that to me it's sinful. And in that, the other part of that passage says, and do not give the devil a foothold. When it's, listen, there's, there's a level of being angry can be a response to something, but how you then respond to that anger can determine whether or not you really open the door to allow the enemy into your marriage. And all he needs is a crack. Some of you know that, you've felt that in your relationship. All he needs is just a small opening to kind of get in there and create a wedge to where you start thinking, see, she doesn't really feel this way anymore about me. See that this is the way he thinks about it. And, and then all of a sudden, bitterness and, and all these things are starting to take root. Have you seen, I'm assuming you've seen that before in relationships. Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, one kind of remedy to that, you know, the book of James, uh, James 1.19 says, you know, be quick to hear, quick to listen, but then slow to anger. 
You're right. Anger is not a bad thing. I mean, there is a righteous anger that that scripture talks about, but anger becomes very selfish when we use it to attack our spouse. Yeah. And so anger, you're allowed to be angry. I mean, anger is not the presence of anything bad. I mean, that, if anything, just means that you care and that it's important yeah. to you. But it does take self-control um, as believers to, okay, how do we know that I've crossed over that line and take that break? And let your spouse take that break, okay? Don't barricade the door or anything like that. That's when the bad things start to happen. Yeah. I, I had a counselor said this to me because uh, and just walking through and talking about emotions said, um, as you, you just kind of alluded, um, anger might sometimes be, uh, end up in a, a kind of a negative result because of the way we kind of allow it to express, but it should be an indicator that you care about the relationship personally to yourself. And, and a counselor said to me not too long ago, um, the worst emotion that people can feel or display is apathy. It's not anger. It's when I don't care anymore. That's when I think you kind of have reached a very dangerous point in your relationship. And I'd say if you're in a place where maybe you, you, you can't get, you know, you have anger a lot, then maybe you need to talk to a counselor. If you're in a place where you feel apathetic, you need to immediately talk to somebody in your relationship. I would strongly encourage, whether it's a counselor, pastor, but probably going to need to talk to a counselor. Um, would you agree that when you, we can't manage conflict well, um, that people are more likely to do something to jeopardize the marriage. Absolutely. And that apathy part kind of enters in at that mm. point. If, if you have this ongoing conflict and you're not taking care of it, you're going to wear yourself out and, and you're risking that I don't care more, any more attitude. It's a bad place to be um, in your relationship. But don't freak out if you are in that spot right now in your relationships because there is a way, a way through that. You're at risk of other things happening, of this ongoing long-term resentment building in your marriage relationship. And what that does, you said that, you know, Satan kind of kind of gives Satan a foothold at yeah. that point. That just opens the door to really trust issues. And, and I think Satan wants to creep in at that point and throw something your way to throw your marriage off. Affairs enter in the picture, um, especially at that point. I, I know that um, one of the other um, top answers to my question, why do you think marriages fail, was trust. People said trust, and I'm assuming they mean trust is broken. And what I have seen in my experience just in counseling and the level that I do is that nobody really, no one plans to do that and, and that it happens over time. In other words, it seems there's a progression that tends to happen when there's conflict that is unresolved, communication that isn't working, then it, it tends to be steps that lead to breaking trust. I don't know. Have you seen that? Like, what's your, what's your experience yeah. in this Nobody stumbles into an affair. Mm -hmm. I do not believe that. Uh, an affair is a progression of events that take place. And conflict and, and breaking of trust, those are all parts of that. But uh, for many of you here, I mean, we work in environments. We have social media accounts and everything where other people are there too. And if we don't have good boundaries, um, then it can be very dangerous. But the progression starts when you have that mutual growing attraction towards somebody else. And like I said, don't freak out if that is you right now, because that's, we're made for relationship. We have emotional needs. And if we're not careful, those needs will get met by somebody else other than our spouse. That progression begins to take off uh, when you begin to kind of express those feelings for that person. You feed the idea, you daydream, you fantasize maybe about being with that other person. Well, my spouse is a jerk, so maybe it's a good thing that I talk to this person. If my spouse would just be for me, I wouldn't have to worry about that. 
Those are all kind of these myths that we, we look at, and that can quickly lead into a progression of, of talking to that person maybe you've kind of opened up with or, or have this mutual growing attraction towards and telling them, hey, I'm attracted to you or I got feelings for you. Even if it's with good intentions to stop talking to each other, that is the starting point of an affair when you begin to express what you're feeling about that. Um, I would say, though, if you're feeling that way, you should express it to someone, yes, just not that person. It's not that person. That, that's when the affair can really take off. Because even if you say, I'm in love with you, I don't want to, we can't, we can't do this anymore, we can't be talking, sounds good in the moment, but what you've just done is communicated that I like you and you like me. Yeah. And if you're in a bad spot, you're, you're going to run back to that person. Um, you do need to talk about that and express those feelings. Do it with your spouse. I know it's going to be hurtful, and it seems hurtful, but that's the most loving thing you can do. As scripture says, confess your sins to each other. Yeah. And that can really build intimacy in your marriage relationship or a pastor or a trusted friend or, or somebody. Um, you mentioned boundaries earlier. What, what would you say are some boundaries that we should be talking about in our marriage um, and I would say before you're in conflict, but what are some safe boundaries that you could recommend? Yeah, it, like you said earlier, when things are going pretty well, now's the time when you really wanna talk about this. Mm -hmm. um, basically boundaries, you know, you're protecting your marriage and, and scripture talks so much about oneness in a marriage and you have got to get to this, this point of conversation with your spouse. Um, what are we gonna do to, to protect ourselves here? So social media, for example, okay? One-on-one -on -one conversations with the opposite sex they just shouldn't happen. Now, I get that there's work relationships, and that's not what I'm referring to here, but old high school flings pop up on Facebook, um, Snapchat, okay, it's just a breeding ground for secrets. Um, protecting yourself from that, you know, being in one-on-one -on -one positions with the opposite sex should be avoided at all cost. Sometimes they seem unavoidable, and if those situations do come up, tell your spouse about it. Hey, I'm worried about this. I, I, I work, uh, you know, my boss is putting me in this position of, of with this girl. I'm not sure what to do about it. Yeah. You're inviting your, your spouse into everything, access to passwords, access to passcodes. Mm. It's all about oneness. I think those are, those are some good things. I think social media is a huge, huge thing today, especially with affairs. In fact, I heard a statistic a while ago that um, that is kind of one of the number one ways that women today are getting into affairs is really through like Facebook communication, other things with past friends, boyfriends, other things. And when your marriage is struggling and you need relational connection, you go to those things. And, and social media has almost kind of created an outlet um, that really can lead to affairs. And so I think that's important. As we were talking about, I was thinking about uh, how we at, at, at the church in, in staff environments with our pastors and everything, we set boundaries. Um, we set boundaries in that, like, we don't want any married pastor traveling alone with another, uh, un, another like, person that um, is in a car together um, just during the day and doing that. Like, we literally take separate cars to places for a variety of reasons, but one is the appearance of it, but two, you, you just don't do that. You don't get into those environments. We won't counsel so I, I'm not going to counsel a, another female alone by myself. It's not going to happen. I've seen it over and over where it creates a relationship bond that ends up going somewhere. And so we don't allow that. We, we have windows in all of our doors and our offices and our new office area that we just built for literally that reason, accountability and, and really kind of setting boundaries, right? So people know we don't do this because those if you cross those boundaries, you can go too far and it's very easy 
to happen. Absolutely. And what you're, in marriage. and you're communicating at that point to your spouse that, that you're a higher priority. Yeah. I, I don't care if the person that's you're one-on-one -on -one with is the ugliest person you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. Okay. You should still set that boundary. That's not what this is about. It, it's about communicating to your spouse that I am creating a discipline within myself to never put myself in that position mm -hmm. where my marriage could be compromised. What would you say to the couple here that have experienced broken trust and they're trying to work through it with forgiveness? Like what, what would you say? Because I know um, that there are probably a lot of you that have experienced that before. You've experienced hurt, maybe even a broken trust in your marriage, and um, you're trying to work through it and forgiveness. What, what, what would you say to that couple today? You, you can heal. You absolutely can heal. And some of, um, actually the most forms of intimacy is having those honest conversations about what you have been struggling with. But I have had couples um, leave my office working through an affair, even saying, you know, in a weird kind of way, this was kind of the wake-up call we needed. Uh, to, it really revealed a lot in our marriage. And so what I want to tell you is encourage you. You can absolutely heal, but it's going to take a long time, but not super long time, okay? It's a one-day-at-a-time process. It can take a while to forgive, but forgiveness is absolutely a process that takes place. Um, you can absolutely heal from, and it goes full circle, good communication, okay? Daily compliments to each other, having maybe a set time every single night that you meet together and talk about your relationship. You know, what went well today? What, what went south today? What can we do differently tomorrow? It's a great way to build trust back in your relationship. I also think, because I've seen this, that forgiveness can happen um, in a moment. And I've seen this in, in broken trust situations where God will give people the grace to forgive, to truly forgive. I've seen it, and it's incredible. Um, but just because there's forgiveness doesn't mean that there's full trust. And I think it's important to know that they are not the same, that they're different, and that trust takes time to rebuild. And you have to, listen, you're the one that broke that trust. You have to be the one to honor that process with that person. You say, you know what, as long as it takes, I'm here. And you do that by some of these things we talked about. Hey, here's my phone. Hey, I, every day, I hear you want to see my conversations. Hey, you want to see this. By doing those things, you're step by step beginning to rebuild trust. But I think the good news is today um, is that you can know that it can happen. And that I, I've seen it as well with couples that have experienced that, but then they're in an incredible place today because of it. And I think that's also a testament to, to the power of God and what he can do in people's hearts if we will allow God in to allow healing. Amen? Amen. Well, Luke, I just, we're out of time already. And I mean, this, this went so fast. I wish we had paid for a longer session, but we didn't. So, I'll bill you. Uh, so hey, I just want to say again, just thank you. Part of what I wanted to do here was I wanted you to kind of be able to hear from a counselor so that you could say, you know what? That is helpful. Maybe we should do that, right? Maybe, maybe we should talk to somebody. Maybe we should work on our communication. Maybe we should recognize our styles. Maybe we should realize the things we're saying in conflict are actually damaging our marriage instead of working to make it better. And, and wanted to kind of give you some tools. You can, you can go use I statements, right? I, this is what I'm feeling and this is how I, I, I'm frustrated because of this, but use them in the right way. You got I statements you can do. Um, we, we talked about a variety of different tools. Active listening. Active listening. Yeah. I see I've already forgotten. Active listening. I'm not good at that one. Um, but engaging, calling time out, right? If you need watermelon, you need a safe word, whatever, you know, you, you need to pause, allow your body to cool down, come back to it, recognize your, your style. Um, you know, am I passive? Am I aggressive? Passive, aggressive, assertive. I want to be assertive. 
let's, let's get there. And here's what I'd say. Have a purpose for your marriage. Like I think sometimes in marriage we just, it's, it is what it is. That's what we think. No, it is what you make it. It's not just it is what it is. It is what you make it. Work on it. Date your spouse. Right? These are all things. We talk about a lot of these things here at church. But, um, but I want to appreciate, you know, and just appreciate you coming here today. And just from sharing this, and would you do me a favor as we close here? Uh, would you mind praying and just praying for our marriages, praying for the relationships, the people of our church, and just for God to really work healing where there needs to be healing, for God to uh, bring grace where there needs to be grace? I would just love it if you could just kind of pray over our church and our marriages. Absolutely. Love to. Let's, let's pray together. Father God, we, we come before you. We thank you for marriage. Uh, we thank you for what marriage represents. Uh, we thank you for what marriage does for us and to us and how it, it refines us. God, it's a beautiful thing uh, to be married. Uh, Lord, we, we pray that you would be with the couples here today and listening in Lancaster and listening online. Uh, there are couples listening right now who are on the brink of divorce, and, and they're ready to throw in the towel. There's couples who have been through that already. And, Lord, I just ask that you would remind them now that, Lord, that the suffering that they're going through can lead to hope. Uh, Lord, your, your word in Romans um, says that, that that produces perseverance and that suffering produces hope. And I pray that right now, God, they would just commit to, to embrace their suffering, uh, to embrace the struggle and the trials that they're experiencing because it will change them. Uh, I pray, Lord, that they would just commit now to getting rid of that divorce option today. Lord, may you give them the strength to step out in faith and say, we're not going to go down that path we're going to step out in faith. Not sure how it's going to happen, but, but we're just going to trust God on this one, that uh, he's going to make us get to a place where he wants us to be. Uh, Father, be with the couples here that they may thrive in this church and that this church may thrive in this community. Father, we thank you for this opportunity. We love you. As we ask in your name, amen. Amen. Hey, would you all do me a favor and just thank Luke for coming and sharing with us today. Amen. Thank you, buddy.